Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939. This episode is brought to you by Progressive. Most of you aren't just listening right now. You're multitasking. But what if you could also be saving money by switching to Progressive? Drivers who save by switching save nearly $750 on average, and auto customers qualify for an average of seven discounts. So multitask right now. Get your quote now at Progressive.com. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates national average 12-month savings of $744 by new customers surveyed who saved with Progressive between June 2022 and May 2023. Potential savings will vary. Discounts not available in all states and situations. Do you want a beautiful lawn? Enter True Green, the easiest way to get a great lawn. Just water and mow and they'll do the rest. Weed control, fertilization, aeration, and more. True Green is the official lawn care treatment provider of the PGA Tour. And they have a verified best price, which guarantees you the lowest price with no compromise on quality. You do you. Let True Green do your lawn care. Visit TrueGreen.com, T-R-U-G-R-E-E-N.com to get the best lawn at the best price with the best people. Guaranteed. I'm not going to put words into Aaron's mouth. I mean, um, we're, we're, we're obviously um, we're excited to see him progress through through his rehab. And um, but look, I mean, we're we're taking everything day day by day. And um, you know, certainly um, we're, um, we're, we're we'll all be excited. You know, when when he's when he's back in the fold, just just as a person, you know, and and the leader that he is. But. Uh, you know, I'm not, I'm not a doctor, so I can't go into the, the specifics on the rehab. But, um, yeah, I mean, we're, we're, we're expecting Aaron to be back. Joe Douglas, Jets general manager. Everyone expects Aaron Rodgers to be back. He's created that expectation. And then he says, whoa, 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 let's pump the brakes. Let's pump the brakes. Let's not get too excited about this. But I am coming back. But let's not get too excited about when. But I am coming back. I have a calendar. I have a schedule. I am coming back. But let's not talk too much about me coming back. I don't know when he'll be back, if he'll be back this year. I do know this, though. The New York Post reported in the aftermath of the trade deadline that the Jets tried to get Mike Evans and Devontae Adams, probably one or the other. But they made an effort to make that trade, and both teams involved, the Raiders with Adams and the Buccaneers with Evans, refused to do it. The Raiders were willing to part ways with Hunter Renfro, but the Jets were more interested in an outside option, not a slot receiver. The And also, uh, NFL media threw in that T. Higgins was a, a player that the Jets tried to trade for. He's obviously with the Bengals in the last year last of his contract. Year, right. You know, I wondered at first, why would the Jets put this out there? The fact that it was the New York Post, Brian Costello... The Jets, with two other teams involved, he covers the Jets. The Jets wanted this out there. And it's like, why would they care? Well, oh, wait a minute. It's Aaron Rodgers. And I think back to two things. Number one, they would always try to placate him in Green Bay and make him think they made an effort to go out and try to trade for somebody. And then number two, when he gives up $33.8 million in salary and says at the time, this will give us flexibility to add veteran help at the trade deadline that creates an expectation that the jets are going to do something at the trade deadline. So Aaron, believe us, we tried to spend some of your $33.8 million. We already spent some of it on Dalvin cook and that hasn't exactly gone very well for anyone. We tried to spend some more of it on Devonte Adams slash Mike Evans slash T Higgins but they kept hanging up the phone on us. So please, 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 Aaron, just like the Packers tried to get OBJ a couple of years ago, we tried to get you help at the receiver position. And the fact that they did, the fact that they tried, it it does kind of create a greater sense. And, you know, they're not, they're not bringing these, these guys in potentially for Zach Wilson. They're bringing these guys in because dad's coming home at some point and he's going to be ready to throw footballs to these guys. 
Yeah, I mean, whether that happens, you know, this year or not, I mean, that's still going to be – that's the great mystery, right? I mean, whether that Achilles tendon was only partially torn, fully torn, I hear you with what you're saying. Now, listen, I don't think, like, for beat writers, it's not that crazy for them the day after the trade deadline to write a, a an article uh, about what their team they follow was maybe involved with, with the trade talks. Like, it's not that crazy, right? But the team still has to tell them. Right. The team still Somebody has to, has tell, to them. tell them there, yes. You know, if right. you want to keep it secret, you keep it secret. You don't want people to think, oh, you failed. Oh, yeah, you tried to tr- make a trade and you failed. I, it's just the common thread is Rodgers, making Rodgers think you tried. Well, yeah, I, I, I don't there, disagree. I think, I think that's part it, of it. it. Yeah, We tried to spend Aaron Rodgers' money. Right. I think that's certainly part of it. And then the crazy Jets fan base is the other part of it. They're trying to kind of, I think, kind of a, a appeal to both there a little bit. That's how I would take it at least, right? You know, I think it's a big talking point up here that, yeah, Garrett Wilson's the only guy on the team that can really separate from people, right? And And – uh, there needs to be another weapon in the in the you know in the receiver room there that can that can help Zach Wilson or Aaron Rodgers. So I don't disagree with you there that that was probably put out there. You know, one for the fan base, two for Rodgers, maybe one for Rodgers, two for the fan base, maybe is what you're saying there. But yeah, I I don't doubt that. And also too, like you know, they they could have been real players for these guys. Now, it's just like, what are they asking? What were they asking to get for them? You know, that's the other part of this, too. And, you know, they could have really wanted them, but the price tag could have been just way too much, too, to where they go, well, I just, we between what we traded for Rodgers and some other moves we made with our football team, maybe they weren't willing to, you know, leverage what these teams were asking for aging receivers that I would say are on the downslope of their career. That wasn't reported, though. What I, was reported was they didn't want to trade them. It wasn't they wanted too much. It was they said no. See, so that's what makes me think this is placate Aaron Rodgers because why would they say no? Why would they say absolutely not if the Jets are going to make them an offer that they would say maybe we should take it, especially the Raiders with Adams. I get it that the Bucks are still in contention. Why do you give up Mike Evans if you're still in contention? I get that. And the Bengals, they need T. Higgins. I also think, Chris, you mentioned the fan base. There's another wrinkle here yeah. that occurred to me as you were saying that. Right. The Jets are raising their ticket prices next year by 10%, roughly, for season ticket holders. And they moved the renewal date from the spring to November 15. So 13 days from now, you've got to commit, if you're a season ticket holder, to renewing your seats for next year. And just this whole talk of bringing in this guy, bringing in that guy, it's just it creates the sense that Aaron will be back next year definitely. without anyone definitely. saying he'll definitely be back. So these folks have to make their commitment in two weeks, and maybe that's part of it too. But I, I get it. Beat writers, look, you're covering your team, but there's certain stuff that you're only getting if someone from the team wants you to know it. And I think the Jets wanted this known. Yeah, I don't, I don't disagree with you there. I don't. I don't. And, and you know, the, whether it was to placate Rodgers or not, I think it's totally fair to ask that. And I think it's totally fair to assume that that was part of why it was released, you know, just so he knew that his camp knows that and, you know, add on a few other factors. And I'm sure that's why, you know, that was out there. Like, yeah, I, I'm with you in the Devonte Adams thing. Like, yeah, no, they won't trade him. That that kind of was shocking, and I'd, I'd be hard pressed to think that if they got some crazy offer, you know, Bucks or or Raiders, that they wouldn't, you know, trade them. I mean, Mike Evans, it's the last year of his deal. He wants big money. By all due accounts, the Bucks aren't going to give it to him. You know, that's certainly the way it seems. So I I would think that if they got the an offer that blew them out of the water, they would have done it. You know, it's easy to say, oh, they wouldn't do it now, too. That's another thing we could say, you know, here with, with just, again, the politics and what teams say, and they don't want to burn the Bucks, and the Bucks maybe didn't want to burn Mike Evans and make that, you know, a whole issue there either way. But either way, the Jets are not very impressive at the wide receiver possession, position, and Zach Wilson, you know, or Aaron Rodgers when they come back. Yeah, there's only one guy you're really worried about in, in defending the pass, and that's, that's Garrett Wilson. 
By the way, you were right about Nick Maddox. To go back to something we talked about earlier, for those of you only listening to this clip, you got to watch the whole show to to you know stay up to date with the stuff we're talking about. Nick Maddox was the top-rated running back in the country from Charlotte, North Carolina. He signed and played at Florida State for Bobby Bowden. That's right. That's right. Look at you. Thank you for – Yeah, so, you know, Nick Maddox was the number one running back in the country and one day just calls my house. He calls me out. I'm like, who is this? And he's like, this is Nick Maddox. And I'm the, I'm the number one running back in the country. It's like, oh, I, I know of you. You know, you know, at that time you're, you know, it's not the internet, but you're looking at the, the different magazines and who's, you know, max prep and rivals and all these things. And who's ranked number one, the USA today has everybody ranked. So he, he called me, he goes, I want to go to school wherever you go. Right. And that's that's how small the football world is. It, it obviously did not happen, but we stayed in contact throughout the whole recruiting process. And I was always aware of what he was thinking and he was aware of what I was thinking. And, yeah, it didn't work out. And I haven't talked to him in a long time, but I hope he's doing good. And, and actually, I don't like to give out the names of the folks who email the show without their express permission. But the person who reached out covered Maddox and you. At Rivals.com. <laughs> Look at that. There we go. Look at it. See? Right. Rivals was big. That was big stuff back then when they said you now. were good. Woo. I was like, damn, Rivals thinks I'm good. I am good. Whoa. Nick Maddox played one game in the NFL, returned three kicks. Pete is typing it very slowly. I don't know which team Nick Maddox played for because Pete has yet to put that in the sheet. But now he tells me in my ear. It was the Browns that Nick Maddox played for one game in the National Football League. All right, so let's have a little draft as it relates to the trade deadline. The teams were surprised didn't make a move, either as buyers or sellers. Christopher, you're up. Uh, I, I, I think the, the first one I'd, I'll go with is just Kansas City, just because Kansas City is usually somewhat aggressive you know, making a move or all that. Now, I know, I guess, like, they got McCole Hardman, so are we classifying that, right? I don't know. Maybe I'm wrong here. But I thought that they might make one more move somewhere to bolster their roster, you know, whether that was somebody else on offense or maybe somebody else on the defensive side of the ball, you know, to make one last push. They're just a team that's generally aggressive, and I thought that, you know, they might make, you know, not that I thought it was going to be a huge splash deal, but some sort of deal, you know, down the trade deadline. They didn't do it. I guess that would be one that shocks me just from that base level there. I'm surprised the Eagles didn't do it. They did Kevin Bayard a week in advance. That's not a deadline deal. I thought there'd be Howie Roseman trending on Twitter because he pulled a rabbit out of his hat and got some guy that made us all say, the rich get richer. Here go the Eagles. They're separating from the pack. Some way, somehow, there was going to be someone that's like, up, oh, up. Oh, there's Howie doing Howie things again. I was surprised we didn't have an Eagles trade. They traded Cantavia Street to the Falcons, which was really not a debt. That, 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 that didn't really count. I'm talking about the Eagles bringing somebody in aimed at pushing them to a higher level. Yeah, yeah, I hear you there. It's kind of like my same theory with the Chiefs. You just kind of always expect Howie Roseman to to do something or make some sort of move. Bayard was pretty significant, right? It was, but yeah, yeah I, I was with you and going, man, what, what else are the Eagles going to do here? Are they going to make some, you know, other shocking trade as we go here? Uh, you know, the next one I'll go to, you know, the Dallas Cowboys, you know, I thought there might be a chance they do something, maybe bolster the secondary, maybe get another big guy in the middle of their defense, a defensive tackle, somebody there. You know, I think that was one I, I kind of looked at to go, eh, Dallas, with the way things have gone in the NFC the last few weeks, they certainly can look at it and go, hey, well, we got a chance here. We could be the number one seed. You know, we, we, we can certainly, you know, win the division still. We know you got to beat the Eagles, whatever else. And even if we don't win the division, okay, it's the Eagles. We can still pos- position ourselves of we're going to be in the playoffs and be a real player and, you know, we'll, we'll upset one of these teams when it comes time. Uh, I thought maybe they, they might be a, mo- a team that was, you know, aggressive towards the trade deadline. I'm surprised the Ravens didn't. Now, look, I yeah. was trying to make the case for Derrick Henry to the Browns. I thought that's exactly what Cleveland would need, but I can understand why they wouldn't want to give up any more trade assets when you gave up three first-round picks and three mid-level picks to get Deshaun Watson. Regardless of the money, it's a lot of 
key players that come at a low cost that form the nucleus of your team moving forward. So you want to avoid giving up more of that future. But for the Ravens, they were, and you probably heard this as well, they were linked to Derrick Henry. Yeah. I mean, if they would have made that move, and I don't know what the Titans ultimately were thinking. I don't know what Derrick Henry was thinking. He's in the last year of his contract. Maybe they think they got something with Will Levis. We'll talk about that coming up when we preview the game. But I'm a little surprised that there wasn't more of an effort by the Ravens to try to get Derrick Henry. And when Monday's 4 p.m. Eastern deadline for doing contract adjustments came and went, it's like, well, you know, uh, Derrick Henry's definitely not getting traded now because he's due to make $5.5 million for the rest of the year. Well, $5.5 million is nothing if you're talking about having Derrick Henry and plugging him in for a playoff run. Could you imagine Lamar Jackson and Derrick Henry in that offense together? Are you kidding me? What the Ravens could be by the time the playoffs roll around? with Derrick Henry and Lamar Jackson together, so I was surprised the Ravens didn't do something specifically that. No, I, I, I hear you there. You know, I think there was people up here in the New York area that thought maybe the Ravens would want Saquon Barkley, right, and make a move for him, I think, along the same lines of what you're talking about with Derrick Henry. The Ravens, too, I, they were the other team I was thinking about drafting, too. You know, I, I think there was thought, the thought out there that they might look for uh, a pass rusher. Right. And, and, you know, as a guy like Brian Burns with the Carolina Panthers, somebody like that, would they be available for the Ravens to get? The Ravens are leading the NFL in sacks, but it's not in necessarily because of, oh, their front four can get there. Mike McDonald, their defensive coordinator, is, you know, for my money, maybe the best defensive coordinator in football. He finds so many ways to mess up protections and give his guys advantages, even though they don't really have a blue-chip, top-tier pass rusher on their roster. They got a lot of damn good players that way. But, yeah, that was one where I wasn't sure what they would do there. Uh, so I'm with you. That was, that was a good one for sure. The other ones are like – I I really, you know, the, some of the bottom teams in football I thought might be more of a, a player in this. Like, I'm going to go with where we started a little bit, and you know, I thought the Raiders might do something Tuesday. That, that's going to be – that was one that was kind of surprising to me. That's kind of why I was saying what I said Tuesday morning. They're in no man's land. They got to shake it up. They got to start getting some assets to change over their team a little bit. I really thought Devontae Adams would be – you know, so you know, somebody, somebody's eye of the beholder, or what do I, what do I want to say? Just you know, somebody really had their eye on him and thought, hey, hey, we can get him and kind of change over our team. And the Raiders could look at it and go, hey, now we got a few more picks to play with here, and if we got to make an aggressive move in the draft next year, we'll be able to do it. So you know, I know they're not a playoff caliber team, and that's kind of what the draft is for here. But some of these bottom tier teams, I was surprised they weren't more sellers than than they were uh, at the trade deadline. You you were trying to set up like levels of I know. Simsisms there, like the movie Inception, <laughs> like levels deep of Simsism. So I, I was letting you go because I didn't quite yeah, know yeah, where you can't it was ruin that you know, right. dumbness. Don't ruin that. Yeah. No, <laughs> stand back, stand back, and shut up, and just let him go. Uh, I'm surprised the Patriots didn't do anything as sellers. They're the worst team in the AFC. They are 16th out of 16 in the standings in the AFC. There was some buzz about Josh Uche. Yep. We talked about that earlier in the week. Right. Number one, he's in the last year of his contract. Number two, they don't pay big money to pass rushers. He's likely not going to be back next year. Why not get value for him now? Um, and there's the whole compensatory draft pick game that they play. But remember, the compensatory draft pick game hinges on – not going out and signing more guys than you lose. And you never know what the Patriots have cooked up for next year as it relates to how active they plan to be in free agency. We don't know. We don't know who the coach is going to be next year. But um, regardless, I'm surprised they didn't do anything as sellers of guys who are in the last year of their contract. Those were the guys that people were watching and the Patriots ultimately didn't do anything. Yeah, yeah. they Definitely a team I had my eye on for sure. Wondering where that would go. Um, you know, they were interesting, you know, you, you brought up the Atlanta Falcons, right. With what they did, they're probably another team I should have thrown into this draft as well. I know they got Contavious street, right. You know, they lost Grady Jarrett, right. For the year. So they needed that type of guy. I thought maybe they might be another team. Like I talked about with the Ravens that might be in the mix for a pass rusher there. 
you know, uh, but 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 you know they they just got Contavious Street and they're they're happy with their football team, so they didn't make any big moves. One other one to throw on here too: the Jaguars as high end contenders. Yeah, they we're not used to the Jaguars as buyers. I had heard they were calling all around for pass rushers. Yeah, but they apparently right. couldn't find a deal that they liked. They could have been in it for Montez Sweat. They could have been in it for Chase Young. They just apparently weren't ready to give up the future assets. That's the balance. How do you strike that balance between what helps the team now versus what I'm giving up for the future? And how much am I going to get out of this guy over the balance of the year? Am I correct in believing it's easier to get value now out of a defensive player than an offensive player? It's easier to get him up to speed. It's easier to plug him into what you're doing than if you would get a guy who doesn't know your offense, doesn't know your terminology, doesn't know your personnel, and has to be part of this more complicated ballet of what the 11 guys are all trying to do in unison De- on Definitely, definitely. It's definitely an easier adjustment for you know the, the defense. Yeah, as an offensive player, you have to know more about the offense and the rules, and even for different guys in different positions. As a defensive guy, just, hey, you're a defensive end. Hey, I might not know what this call means for everybody else, but I know I just got to stay right here in this gap. That's the one thing I know. If I just stay between the tackle and the guard, I've done my job. That's what they told me, and that's all I got to do. That's where that adjustment you know, is, is certainly easier there for, for the defensive side of the ball you know, compared to the offense. And you're right, the Jaguars won. It's interesting, too. I mean, their defense is awesome in a lot of ways, right? Josh Allen is leading the lead in sacks right now. Am I right about that? Or he's up there towards the top, right? And he's definitely one of the league leaders in pressure. But, but yeah, Daniel Hunter leading the league in sacks. Excuse me, Josh Allen right behind him. But, yeah, the production on the other side, number one pick last year, Trayvon Walker, he's a good player, but he's not a superstar pass rusher, at least not yet. So they're looking for that to where, yeah, they know. Like, hey, we want to beat the Bengals. We got to beat the Chiefs, right? We can't be blitzing too much against those quarterbacks. We can't. The front four has got to be able to get there and do it themselves, and that is definitely one of the the problems with Jacksonville's football team right now. For the second straight week, the Steelers playing one of their old AFC North rivals. There was a time when the Oilers slash Titans were in that same division as the Steelers. They get together tonight in Pittsburgh. We'll preview that when PFT Live continues right after this. Around any corner, within every battle, and with the dawn of each new day, the threat of the unexpected, the unpredictable, and the unrelenting lies in wait. But Marines will always be there. They are the constant in the chaos. No matter the battlefield, Marines adapt to win, defeating every shifting threat, protecting our nation's future. The few, the proud, the Marines. Is you playing Thursday conducive to how you feel, or is there clearances you need from doctors, or is it a bit of both? Uh, no, I'll, I'm playing for sure. Kenny Pickett leaving no doubt. There were some reports out there that Kenny Pickett wasn't going to play at all in the aftermath of his injury on Sunday. He is playing tonight. He has no designation. Questionable, doubtful. No, 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 no. He is good to go. There are some of the big injuries where there are designations for tonight. Ryan Tannehill not playing for the Titans, as we expected. DeAndre Hopkins questionable with a foot injury just a few days after having three touchdown catches against the Atlanta Falcons in the Will Levis breakout game. The Steelers are favored by three in this one, over under of 37. This one, to me, you know, I don't know what Will Levis is going to do. Yeah, right. That's the big question. Right. This week, right. Although I had someone high up with one of the teams tell me, Will Levis is going to get people fired because Will Levis is going to be good and all those teams that passed on him Their general managers are going to get called into the principal's office and they're going to get asked, why in the hell did you not take this guy? That's the prediction from somebody very high up with one of the teams that didn't need a quarterback, but that would have at least considered Will Levis and and liked Will Levis. We'll see. 
But I remember when Lamar Jackson was having his MVP year in 2019. I yeah. think Jake Glazer reported at one point that season. Right. All these other owners were like, what the hell were you guys <laughs> thinking? Yeah, yeah. Passing on Lamar Jackson. Right, right. Well, I mean, we might have just saw one get fired the other day because they passed on Will Levis. It might have already happened. I mean, really, with the Raiders and all that. Like, yeah. we talked about the quarterback situation. But – you know, I, I understand the point there. I get it. I'm not ready to to quite say like, oh man, they got him for sure. They got their guy they needed. But damn, that was a good start. It really was. You know, there's something to be said about you know the presence of Will Levis on the football field. How he looked in the pocket. He looked like a big Adonis out there. You know, that's not going to flinch with anybody around him. And of course, as we just showed in some of those highlights, it wasn't like it was like, oh, we got to manage him and dink and dunk it and all that, right? And again, I hate that when they manage guys like that because it's like, hey, coach, dinking and dunking for four yard throws is not that easy. But when you do it after a few times, the whole defense is there and I'm trying to squeeze it in between seven people every time for a four yard gain. Right, but they let him throw the ball down the field, and you saw the talent there. You could see he's a really good athlete. All of that, but you know, this is a different type of thing too. It's one, hey, you're at home and it's a comfortable environment. It's Thursday night football. It's a short week. You are a rookie quarterback, and you know, to something you always talk about, it's the Steelers with their back against the wall, and they do some crazy stuff on defense that you know a lot of quarterbacks don't don't aren't programmed to go like, oh, wait, they're doing that and playing this coverage, right? The Steelers will do some outside-the-box type of stuff that breaks the rules in a quarterback's mind that can make things interesting tonight. And I think that's you're exactly right. That's where the conversation starts tonight is how he handles that, being under pressure from T.J. Watt and Highsmith. Is Cam Hayward coming back tonight, or is he just off IR? That's another thing to look at here. So he's back. So this is going to be a Steelers team that's going to have a little juice and energy with Cam Hayward back in the lineup too, and we'll see how he handles it. He hasn't played since week one. Yeah. The groin in the regular season opener against the 49ers. And during the Jaguars-Steelers game on Sunday, at one moment I looked up and Cam Hayward was on the sideline and he was – it it looked like he was helping coach the team. And just like yeah. you can tell just how a guy carries himself on the sideline – if he's head coaching material, that that's one of the indispensable qualities. You have to look the part. Right. You have to exude the right demeanor. You have to have your shit together. There was just something in that moment when I saw Cam Hayward, I thought, that guy's going to be a head coach in the NFL one of these days. I hope I live long enough to see whether or not I'm right or wrong. And, of course, he has to want to do it. But there was just something like, damn, that guy's got the presence. That guy's got the demeanor. That guy could be patrolling a sideline and running a team in the NFL if he wants to do it. Obviously, you got to work your way up. you got to learn the game from that perspective. But he's had a chance to do it so far this season. He's been very involved. With he's got the headset on, Obviously, right? He he's, that, he's been wearing a headset. Yeah, he yeah. had the headset. Yeah, I know. Was, yeah, there was just something. It was just – you just know it. After yep. 50 years of following the NFL, you know it viscerally. When you see someone that can pull it off and when you see someone who can't, he can pull it off. Definitely pull it off, and we'll see what he does when he's done playing. He's been around forever. He's a great fixture in that organization, and they'll be better with him on the field. They won't have Micah Fitzpatrick, though. He has the hamstring injury that he suffered on Sunday against the Jaguars. He's out. Yeah, that's big. But Hayward in, and Will Levis in for something on Thursday night. Fourth quarter when they play Renegade, that's going to be the moment Will Levis realizes this is a different game. This is a different game than University of Kentucky, baby. Nothing against the University of Kentucky. But that ain't like playing at the Pittsburgh Steelers in prime time. So we'll see what he does. I thought he was great. And this is just one of those. I love the opportunity to sit and watch the yeah, game. right. One play after another. Yep. Only that game. How does Will Livis look? We'll find out tonight. Yeah, no, I'm excited. I mean, you know. Again, there's there's some things here to where you could see a pathway to him having a successful night. You know that that's for sure. One, we we know the Titans can run the football, so that you know with with uh, you know Tajay Spears and 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 of course Derrick Henry, they're they're damn good at the running back position. They're healthy up front. You know their first round picks, Peter Skaronski, he's back going strong here. So that's a positive for their football team. 
They found a way to get DeAndre Hopkins going, you know, in the pass offense. Westbrook Akine is a threat down the field too, right? So, you know, and then Levis, as we see, he can launch the ball and, and, and take advantage of some of those big plays there to be had. So I'm excited with that. And then you couple that together where it, the Steelers' defense is, as we know, it's a playmaking defense, but it's not a great defense. You can move the ball on the Steelers. You know, the thing is, can you can you get it in the end zone against the Steelers? That's got to be the one thing. You know, the Steelers are great at letting you drive and they make you kick a field goal. But the other thing, too, you know, when you play the Steelers, you almost have to, as a quarterback, go, wait, I'm not going to let their defense make a big play. That's got to be part of the game plan of, like, it's okay to throw it away. It's okay to get sacked every now and then. You know, how many teams have we seen this year – their, their offense or their quarterback loses the game against the Steelers because they're feeling good. Now they want to take a chance. We saw it last week with Trevor Lawrence a little bit down on the goal line throwing a bad interception. Has to be in the back of your mind. But I would think with the way the Steelers' D is playing, hey, this Levis has a chance to have success tonight. They should be able to run the ball on Pittsburgh, and that should be able to set up some play-action passes and some big plays against a not-so-good Steelers defense that's opportunistic is what I would kind of say about them so that's where it's exciting in this matchup and we'll see what Levis has and you know the other secret weapon that Will Levis has and it's not much of a secret his head coach Mike Vrabel knows a thing or two about playing in Pittsburgh he played for the Steelers it's just a matter of piercing through that mystique that vibe that intangible but very tangible reality of they keep it close and then they find a way to get you. Right. The Jaguars right. impressive on Sunday. Their ability to withstand that. It felt like it was lining up that way, and the Jaguars were able to avoid it. Mike Vrabel can help Will Levis and the rest of the Titans avoid that tonight. We'll see. Should be a great game. Yeah. Great way to start week nine. And That's coming up tonight. You you would agree too. You would agree too. Like I think you would agree. The Titans are comfortable in Steelers type of football game, right? You know, that's that's what I think is intriguing too. We know the Steelers want to keep it at 17-14, 20-17, and they just want to, hey, we'll out-hit you somewhere in the fourth quarter and you'll fumble and we'll get a short field and a touchdown or a field goal and we'll win the game. I mean, that's really what – I mean, that's kind of how they win games. They just go, we'll out-hit you longer than you're capable of withstanding it and you're going to fumble or make a mistake at some point. That's the incredible thing about the Steelers that we talk about. But Tennessee's kind of built of that same fabric. They're kind of like, oh, yeah, we, we like 17-14 too. We do. And we'll, you know, like you say, Vrabel's a great coach. He knows how to manage situations and do all of that. So that's where it's going to be interesting. And then, you know, the other side of this is we talked about Tennessee's offense, but can that crappy-ass Steelers offense get something going tonight against the Tennessee Titan defense is going to be the other thing to watch, right? I mean, it's just it's, – it, it ain't good in Pittsburgh on the offensive side of the ball. And I, I, I don't ever see anything to make me think it's about to turn the corner here. And with as simple as it is – you know, this to me are usually the, the offenses that I feel like Vrabel and company kind of shut down because they go, wait, we got them down. We know what they do. We understand their rules. And they come up with a crazy game plan where they cover everybody. So that's where, you know, it's, 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 it makes the, the matchup very interesting too. Night game with a little extra time for some pregame consumption in the parking lot. They will be shouting they will be shouting. That's not funny. They will be shouting Fire Canada. Shouting. Oh, I, I know they I will like be. It. Are you going? Are you going to go tonight? Are you going to get like the terrible it. towel? No. No? No. All right. I'm not going. It's too cold. It's too cold. It's too cold. <laughs> what else? I only go to the games when it's warm out. Oh, that that's uh, damn. You're a although, fair weather although fan. My, my, my son's already laying the foundation for tickets for him and his friends to the NBC game on December 23rd, Bengals at Steelers. He's, he's already – it's going to be cold that day, son. They don't care. Yeah, that's well. He shouldn't care. He's, he's in his 20s. I mean, when you're in your 20s, everything is like, let's go, step on it. I mean, of course he is. I don't think, you know, when you're in your 20s, you're just like, yeah, let's do it. It's going to be four degrees out. Okay, I'll drink four more beers, and I won't feel it. That sounds good. Let's do it. So get them some tickets. Don't cheap out, all right? Make sure you get some top-notch. Get them in the box or get them in the first few rows. I'll have, 
You're, you're, I'll have my butler set it up. Oh, you set it up. That's right, you rich SOB. Get it set up, you jerk, okay? But but it should be that's fun. <laughs> I'm excited for tonight. Here's the other thing that's amazing about the Steelers. Just let me say one more thing. I'm sorry. They're they're four and three. It's the damnedest thing I've ever seen that they're four and three. I feel like they've been outplayed in almost every game the whole season. And how many times do you see a four and three football team have the third worst offense and the third worst defense in the league and they're above five hundred? It's it's like an anomaly with how they do it. It really is. Uh, it's one of those things where you can't put your head around it. And like I said, there's a part of me sometimes. Yeah, it's, it's renegade. Tomlin. Exactly. It's really renegade. It really is. It's unbelievable. And that's why it's like I love watching them and I root for them. But at the same time, I don't want them to win because I'm like, damn, if they get in the playoffs, it's not going to be all that good. They're going to ruin the playoff field. It's going to be an ugly wild card game. And I don't like that. So. Uh, we'll see what goes on tonight and how Kenny Pickett looks, and hopefully yeah. he's healthy and able to throw the ball around the field a little bit. No renegade in the playoffs because they won't have any home games. In the playoffs. <laughs> yeah, right. Uh, they'll right. get in as the seven or the six seed. All right, let's take a break. Props for Week Nine when PFT Live continues right after this. Fion, I know what you guys are thinking. I'm bigger in person. You're right. This is a bigger room. I can get used to this. Well, uh, you could say he would be a factor, an, an X factor. Yeah, you see? Still got it, e- even across the seas. Um. Huh. Mike McDaniel, one of the... Great coaches in the NFL just because he is who he is unapologetically, and he encourages his players to do that as well. It's really helped open up Tua Tonga-Vailoa. It's made things very interesting for the Dolphins. And, by the way, they're one of the best teams in football right now, and they play the Chiefs in Germany. I'm sorry. Our friends in the U.K. who watch on Sky Sports, I know you have been dealing with a bunch of crap NFL games since 2007. I apologize on behalf of Big Shield, damn, that you didn't get seriously. Dolphins, Chiefs, Germany, Germany just shows up last year. They sing Country Roads during the Seahawks Bucks game, and they get <laughs> Dolphins, Chiefs, and uh. it's screw you, London. You've been dealing with all these bad games with all these bad teams all these years. The best game that has ever been exported by the NFL. Remember that Chiefs-Rams classic originally was going to be played in Mexico City. And the field was in horrible condition. They played it at the Coliseum instead before SoFi. That was that 54-51 thriller from November of 2018. This is the best game ever exported to another country by the NFL. And Germany gets it. Not London. Sorry, London. Seriously, what a what a bunch of crap that is. I mean, the Germans get involved and they give them the best damn game that they've ever had, that overseas has ever had. How dare they disrespect our our UK homies and friends over there who have been so patient, like you're saying, with some of those games. I am excited. I mean, this is going to be, you know, amazing. It really is. It's going to be a good test to see where this whole thing goes with the overseas conversation and all that. I mean, this is some time change this isn't just like hey we're we're in the middle of america and now we're going over a few states and just like a two-hour time change here this is like holy crap what is it seven hours six and a half what's the time change there it's this is a drastic you know thing for a football player a football team where you're just so detailed and schedule oriented and uh, I'm, I'm interested to see how these teams react to all this stuff I don't know specifically which time zone it is, but I do know it's never a half. It's always a full hour. That's how that's how they separate the time. <laughs> did I say zones. six no and a half, half quarter hour <laughs> yeah. different. Yeah, I did say six and a half. Yeah. Okay, Sorry, I'm on a roll. Uh, today. Better bet. We'll do some props for week nine. Better bet. Tua Tonga Vailoa has over 277 and a half passing yards. There's a half there. The half works there. Or Patrick Mahomes has over 282.5. Which one is the better bet? I'm, I, I don't think there's any doubt it's Tua for, for my money, at least here. You know, I, I think the thing I look at is I go, I mean, we know Kansas City's defense is really good. Kansas City, they want to, they play a ton of man to man coverage, right? And I, I don't see them changing a whole lot 
You know, even with the Dolphins coming to town here. Now, how they manifest or work that man coverage and if they help out on Tyree Kill or whatever, but I just think it's going to be hard with the way they play to limit Tua to under 277.5 passing yards there. So I'm going to take Tua in that one. Yeah, because of the weapons. It's not Tua spraying it all over the place. It's Tua getting these guys in stride, and off they go with the ball. I agree with you. I'm on Tua as well. That's the 9.30 a.m. Eastern game on Sunday. The best game by far in the 1 o'clock window, Seahawks at the Ravens. Seahawks are 5-2. and two, Ravens are 6-2. and two. Lamar Jackson, over or under 39.5 rushing yards. The Seattle defense allows... 3.6 yards per carry, third best in the NFL. The over-under from DraftKings, 39.5 rushing yards for Lamar Jackson. Which way are you going? Yeah, I think I, I feel like I'm going to go over here. I am, um, you know, not that uh, – I, I know Seattle, they crowd the line of scrimmage. I mean, they, they want to stop the run. They're not going to let you do that. That's priority number one. Now, the problem with that is that that's why their defensive – you know, their pass defense isn't as good as it should be. I would think this is part of the reasons they traded for Leonard Williams, right? They've had a compromise. We got to load the box and stop the run and do all that. They have this great secondary, and they're letting up a lot of big plays in the pass game. So I think they're probably looking at it like, hey, you know, we, gotta, we can't just put these guys on an island or always play so aggressive at the line of scrimmage here. That's where Leonard Williams, I think, will help them out a little bit. But also, they're so aggressive, Seattle, that I just think they'll overplay the normal run game from Gus Edwards or Justice Hill at times that Lamar will get a few, keep it out the back door and get a big run or a scramble or two that will you know, help him. So I'm going to take the over on that one. And I'll look at it this way. That 3.6 yards per play uh, rushing average on defense for the Seahawks, they haven't played Lamar Jackson yet. That's right. Lamar Jackson's at home. The Ravens are starting to separate. That was what Mark Andrews told me after they pummeled the Lions a couple of weeks ago. I think he'll be over 39 and a half well, rushing yards. It only takes a couple of plays that's for Lamar right. Jackson to go over 39 and a half rushing yards. Well, that that's, you know, the other thing I would say to that too, you know, a little bit is just that, you know, I I don't think Seattle exactly right. I don't think Seattle's played a ton of great running offenses as of yet, right? Last week they played Cleveland and Cleveland ran the ball on them. And they had pretty good statistics doing it, right? But you know, you look at their schedule, they've played some definite less than offenses in that department where yeah, I'm not sure how damn good it is yet uh as far as stopping the run when they played some good run teams they're not good at passing the ball so they've been able to go all in on the run uh so i'm going to be interested to see how that plays out this weekend the headline game in the 425 p.m eastern window the cowboys at the eagles what's the better bet dak prescott or jalen hurts over 250.5 passing yards they have the exact same over under for passing yards this week who you got dak or Jalen. I, I mean, I, I could certainly see both going over, though, but I, I mean, I'm going to take Jalen Hurts. The Cowboys, again, another team. They're too small up front. They're going to have to load the box. They play a lot of man to man. And, you know, uh, finally, the rest of the world is realizing how good A.J. Brown is, is, right? I mean, I don't know. You heard me saying it last year. I'm glad, like, you know, now I'm starting to hear A.J. Brown's unstoppable. He is unstoppable. It's maybe not Tyree Kill, but it's just a smidgen below it. I mean, he is unbelievable, so I'm going to go with Hurts in that one. Hey, and if the Eagles end up the one seed in the NFC, A.J. Brown, MVP. I, he, Just like I the hear Dolphins you. are the one seed in the AFC, Tyree Kill, MVP. We've never had a receiver win the MVP award in the NFL, and there are two viable contenders right now for NFL MVP. All right, don't forget on the DraftKings Sportsbook this season, new customers can bet $5 in pocket, $200 in bonus bets instantly, plus all customers can get a no-sweat, same-game parlay every day. Download the app and use the promo code PFTLIVE when you sign up. DraftKings, DraftKings Sportsbook, the crown, the crown is, is yours. yours. <laughs> Why'd you do that? Well, I felt what like was it was good there? to tag team by the way, By the way, by the way, Accidental Scholar, there are half time zones. So, right again. <laughs> Boom! Even, even Boom! See, my brain is just a sponge. A it hears stuff and it keeps it in there and just blurts out of my mouth occasionally. <laughs> I think Nick Maddox was helping you out on that one. Here we go. How long of a leash does Jordan Love have in Green Bay? We'll do that next here on PFT Live. <laughs> 
Could it take you more than just this season to find out what you have in Jordan and if he is the guy going forward? I, you know, I don't know. I think, you know, we've got 10 games left. He's going to be very important 10 games. And, um, you know, I think he's done a lot of really good things. Really like the way he's responded to, to the adversity, uh, how he's led the team. Um, you know, again, we got to be better as a unit. And uh, I expect that to happen over the next 10 games. So what do you need to see out of him? Obviously, there'll be time for that, Bill. I, I think right now you know, we're worried about being the Rams. You know, that's that's the most important thing. So, right now it's just about we, we have a lot of faith in Jordan, and I think so. You know, we got to get the offense playing better, and when that does, those things will take care of themselves. Brian Gutekunst on Jordan Love. Look. I feel bad for this kid. He got drafted into a bad situation, caught between the Packers and Aaron Rodgers on the bench for three years. Now he's playing. He's halfway into his first season. People want to get rid of him. Let's give the kid a chance to learn and grow and develop. Has it been great? No. But that doesn't mean it's always going to be like this. We were talking the other day about Zach Wilson, how sometimes it just takes time. Terry Bradshaw, sometimes it just takes time. Today's NFL you get chewed up and spit out before you've ever had a chance to to get to your maximum level of performance, whatever it is. And I'd like to think the Packers understand that he needs two years. Yep. And at the end of the second year, if it's not working, you move on. Yeah, uh, well, I think that was a pretty strong statement that Brian Gutenkus made there and basically saying these last 10 games, right, are going to be really important. I basically, they're, oh, I basi- they're basically saying, like, he, he's the starter. They don't even talk about benching him. Nothing's happening there. So, you know, I give them credit for... But... Yeah, well... But after these next 10 games... Yeah, right. We'll what see happens? Where, we'll see where it goes. You know, I, I think, hey, you know, you said it right. Tough situation, all of that. There is some physical talent to like. It is year four, and I know whatever, whatever. He hasn't played a lot. I get it. But you'd like your quarterback in year four, even if he hasn't played a lot, to look a little smoother than what he looks like at this point, okay? That would be the biggest thing. You know, Gutenkus talks about the offense, and we got to get the offense going. Yeah, they need the run game certainly got to be better. That'll help Jordan Love for sure. But Jordan Love is part of the reason the offense isn't working all that great either. It's 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 very basic. They're, they are managing him. You can tell the training wheels are on with some of the pass concepts and things they do in the passing game. And then within that, you know, even though they're basic, it's still not a lot of the times executed quite the way you want it to there. It feels like there's actually been a little bit of regression over the last few weeks. I guess that's where it scares me a little. Uh, so hopefully he can improve that. You're right. But, you know, yeah, they're going to give hey. this time and see where this goes. And bottom line, if they end up in position to take a quarterback high in the draft, they're going to have to think about it if it goes poorly yes. the next 10 games. Yes. Unfortunate for love, but that's the way it works. More PFT Live right after this. The Bills had an interesting addition to their injury report yesterday. Rasul Douglas did not practice. Injury just got here. Arrived via <laughs> trade from the Packers the day before. The official NFL injury report said not injury-related slash travel just got here a lot more interesting than that so what we're going to do today in lieu of the full-blown matchup draft we're going to focus on the four great games this weekend that are each in their own window on sunday 9 30 a.m dolphins chiefs 1 p.m seahawks ravens 4 25 p.m cowboys eagles and then the nightcap on nbc bills at bengals we're going to go last Back to first. What's the most important matchup for Bills Bengals? The big game on NBC, the rematch of the playoff game and the regular season game that featured the Demar Hamlin incident last year. Uh, I, I mean, I, I feel like I look at it and go, you know, I, I feel like it's going to be tough sledding for the Bills offense versus the Bengals defense, right? So I, I'm more looking at it like, can the can the Bills defense? slow down what I think is about the Bengals and Joe Burrow about to take off on the offensive side of the ball, right? And we saw in two games last year, I know it was limited in that first one before the DeMar Hamlin, you know, injury, but the the Bengals marched the ball up and down the field on them that day. I mean, that was the start of a second drive where it looked like, whoa, they're going down again. And then, of course, when we got to the playoffs, that, that was the story of the game is that the Bills defense had no answer for Cincinnati. So that's certainly the thing I look for there in that matchup. 
I look at whether or not simply the Bills offense can do anything against the Cincinnati defense. It was 27-10 in the playoffs last year, and Josh Allen did not practice on Wednesday with that shoulder he banged up last Thursday night against the Buccaneers. All right, Cowboys-Eagles, 425 p.m. Eastern, big game between the two top teams in the NFC East. What's the biggest matchup there? Can the Cowboys slow, you know, how many assets do the Cowboys have to put to stop the Eagles running game? Right, the the big problem and what we see with Dallas when they play the 49ers or the Eagles in the NFC right now is that they are too compromised with small, fast guys on the defensive front seven to where they can't hang in there against some of these big offensive lines. So therefore, they have to put a bunch of people there and create chaos, and they play man-to-man coverage off of that, and that's dangerous against Philadelphia. So I'm just interested in the game plan Dan Quinn can come up with here to slow down this Philadelphia offense, specifically you know, trying to find a way of balancing stopping the run and not letting big plays in the pass game. I'm going to go Cowboys versus the grass. This is a point Coach Garrett makes all the time. Cowboys are a different team away from home. Yes, they are. They are a different team on a faster track. Look what happened to them in San Francisco a few weeks ago. Tougher spot for them. If this game was in Dallas, you feel differently about it. It's in Philly. That's an inherent edge for the Eagles because it takes some of the steam out of that Cowboys defense specifically, which thrives on the faster surface. Let's take a break. We'll continue to discuss week nine matchups right after this. Clock Eastern, five and two Seattle, six and two Baltimore. What's your number one matchup from that one, Chris? Well, I, I think the Ravens defense, you know, statistically is, I believe, what right now the number two defense in football. I think if you let me choose what defense I can pick, I'd take the Ravens. You know, that defense, I, I'm, I'm specifically going to look at just, you know, Seattle, which is a little bit all over the place on the offensive side of the ball. Uh, they're kind of hot, and then they can go dormant forever. We saw that last week where they kind of came out hot against the Browns and then disappeared until late in the fourth quarter. So going to be interested to see if Seattle can consistently move the ball in that Ravens defense throughout the day. Seattle is very good at winning the games they should. Not, they're yeah. toward the portion of the schedule where there are going to be games where it's like, I don't know about this. Right. They're going to have to prove to us and to themselves yeah. they can win these games when we're thinking, sorry, you're you're out of your weight class in this one. And then the last game to talk about, 9.30 a.m. Eastern on Sunday, Dolphins-Chiefs. It's Tyree Kill finally getting a crack at the Chiefs. Right? That's the matchup. Right. That's the thing to watch. No doubt. I mean, that there's just the added incentive. These two teams both look at themselves as, hey, we're the best offense, the quarterbacks, what they got. Tyreek's going to want to shove it up you know where. And the Kansas City Chiefs, Mahomes is going to want to show Tyreek, like, hey, I'm actually more accurate than Tua. Like, screw all that stuff you said last year. It's going to get personal. <laughs> And this may determine where the rematch happens in January if there is one. Winner more likely to host a playoff game between the two. That's it. See you tomorrow. See ya. Life is a highway, and on it there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one crispy. so go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem of a detour. Save big money on everything for your spring projects at Menards. We have all of your garden and landscaping essentials. Master Garden Premium Garden Soil contains a slow-release fertilizer that feeds gardens for up to nine months. It produces better results and is ready to use for all your gardening needs. Save big on Menards' great selection of garden and landscaping products. Compare brands in-store or online at Menards.com. Save big.